Mick Cronin and the Bruins still not receiving a lot of preseason hype, despite a lot of love for the incoming freshmen. And the Beavers, they're going to provide a unique challenge for Chip Kelly and the Bruins coming up this week on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Locked On UCLA Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Yoxheimer. Thanks for making the show your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe if you're an everydayer. You would have heard it's grayed out. Very high grades for the defense, poor grades for special teams, and decent grades for the offense in the Bruins' big win over Washington State. And we'll talk about the Bruins' upcoming matchup against Oregon State and the challenges that will be provided by heading to Corvallis for the Bruins' sixth game of the season. In the meantime, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. So, all right, let's get down to it. UCLA and Oregon State. This isn't exactly a full keys to the game and everything, but here are some things that the Beavers are going to bring, both offensively and defensively, coming in this matchup against the Bruins that may provide some trouble or something the Bruins have to be aware of heading into this matchup against Oregon State. Most importantly, this is going to be a big battle between the rushing attack for Oregon State versus the likes of UCLA's rushing defense. And I brought some numbers for you guys thinking, all right, the Bruins have been tested defensively, right? They've been tested with teams throwing the ball, teams who've been tested, they've been tested by teams who can run the ball, right? Right? Well, for the former, they just were able to get Cam Moore down. The Bruins' defense has continued to put up big numbers and stellar performances each of the first five games of the season. Yet the rushing numbers, one of the Bruins' best statistics in this season as a defense, beyond the QB pressure they can do, the turnovers they've forced, has been the ability to stop the run. Washington State came into that game without any real semblance of a run game. That did not exist for the Cougars. They relied on Cam Ward. They've been throwing the football for a long time and almost forgetting the run exists. So what is UCLA's four FBS opponents ranked this year in the run category coming in and what have the Bruins held them to, which could be a sign of good things for the Bruins against the Beavers. One, the best team they faced who can run the football, Utah. The best team they faced on their schedule, Utah is ranked 82nd in the country running the football at 143 yards per game. Now we can nitpick. Those yardage numbers are pretty close that Utah could even go up. Some of these teams could go up fairly further up the standings in the stats category across the country. Yet Utah's ranked 82nd in the country when it comes to running the football, 143 yards per game. San Diego State, practically a run-first offense, you would think. 83rd, also just a shade under at 143 yards per game, a little bit less than Utah when you get into the decimals. Coast Carolina, 88th in the country, 140 yards. And then you've got Wazoo, who's way near the bottom of the country when it comes to 103 rushing yards per game, practically foregoing that whatsoever. And we're not going to even talk about the NC Central game. UCLA kept Utah 40 yards under their average. To this point, they kept the Utes 40 yards under their average. San Diego State, to this point of the season, to what the Bruins allowed, 
have kept them to 80 yards under their average. At the beginning of the season, San Diego State had rushed for nearly 200 yards and then some prior to the Bruins game. Then, now if we look at their numbers, they rushed for 143 yards a game. The Bruins allowed 63. Coastal Carolina about 140. They rushed for only 56, close to 80 yards less. And then Wazoo, only 100 yards per game. They already don't have the best rushing attack. And they pretty much forgot it, couldn't do anything. The Bruins said, we're not even going to truly think the running attack exists and that we're not going to allow it to do anything anyways. Fourth and short, the Bruins stuffed Cam Ward. The Cougars couldn't do anything to get a drive going in a late one-possession game of the fourth quarter. They held the Cougars to 12 rushing yards. So for an Oregon State team that comes in with even better rushing numbers than UCLA in this season, which is hard to do because the Bruins already have a pretty solid rushing offense as it is. Oregon State, number 15th in the country, 205 rushing yards per game. That's one of the best ranks in the country, just shy of Oregon and Cal in the Pac-12. So we saw what Oregon State did in the battle of heavy rushing attacks between them and Cal, 52-40, to and the Beavers in Berkeley held a high-scoring affair against one of the lower teams in the Pac-12, but one of the more stingy teams that you have to play on the schedule this year. So for the Bruins, can they get this, the run stopped? This will be a big test. Last week is the first big test for the secondary. And while San Diego State looked like the big test rushing the football, this will be a big physicality test for UCLA up front. They've obviously passed it. They've got great interior defensive linemen. They've got a lot of positive things going for them with Leatu Latu and company. Latu winning multiple awards for his dominance on the line and as a defensive player. Well, all the Bruins are going to have to do is try and take down the reigning Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week as DJ Uyengalele is coming off of one of his, his best performance as a Beaver, throwing for five touchdowns, completing 19 passes out of 24 attempts, not even eclipsing 300 yards, but one of his better performances as a Beaver in his early young Oregon State career. So can the Bruins stop the rushing attack, hold Oregon State to third and long, and make DJ throw the football because he's not been the most accurate of quarterbacks. Despite what he did most recently against Cal, if the Bruins can get them into third and long, we can see the the pass rush go against Oregon State. We can see the secondary make some plays because now the Bruins have shown, hey, if Cam Ward's throwing interceptions, DJ is an interception-prone quarterback. He is likely to throw a lot of incompletions if the Bruins can stop the run. That one of the biggest things for UCLA, can you limit Oregon State's run game? Numbers and everything that we've seen, the eye test is provided that UCLA is absolutely capable of doing this. But this is what I think to be even better than any of the rushing attacks, light years arguably, than what the other teams have showcased so far to what UCLA's face. They're absolutely capable of doing it, but this is the next step up from a Utah, even from you know San Diego State as a group of five level, right? So can they force DJ into third and longs? I'm not exactly thinking QB pressure is going to be a big thing in terms of bringing DJ down. Oregon State as a team does not allow a lot of sacks. They're actually in the top 15, top 16 in the country in sacks allowed. They've only allowed six this season. And for a UCLA team that's near the top of the country in getting sacks, 18 this season generating pressure, taking down quarterbacks left and right, bringing down Ward a few times. It's not going to be the sacks. It's the ability to stop the run game and just simply force DJ to throw 
get him a little bit uncomfortable. You don't really need to rush him as heavily as you did when it came to facing Cam Ward. Get him truly uncomfortable. DJ is a much bigger, different type of threat than Cam Ward provided for Washington State. Oregon State loves to hold on to the football. Time of possession. Use DJ, not sparingly, but in certain certain times. Five of his 19 passes went for touchdowns. They went five for five on fourth downs. They are number in the top 30 in the country in time of possession. They value the football. They don't let DJ go down, mostly because he's one of, one of the tougher quarterbacks to bring down, but they keep him upright. So that will be the biggest thing for UCLA. How can they battle in this game where possessions will be valued? DJ's tough to bring down. And then on the flip side, defensively, which I haven't even touched on just yet in this first segment, the Oregon State Beavers, even though they gave up a bunch of points to Cal, even though they gave up in a shootout in Berkeley, 40 points to the Golden Bears, they're still near the top 30 in points allowed, about 20 per game. So imagine if you erase those 40 points they just gave up. They're a tough team. They've given up 35 point, 38 points to Washington State. So good offenses or teams who find schemes that work against the Beavers, they can be successful. But they're also equally as good at generating pressure on the quarterback, which is why UCLA's O-line needs to be very, very exceptional against the Beavers. Because even though the Bruins are finding ways to get Dante Moore moving out of the pocket, finding ways to give him a little bit more time with the max protection, changing schemes up, just feeding the rock to Carson Steele and Harden a little less or whatever the running back combo will be for the week against the Beavers, Oregon State can generate a lot of pressure. They are 24th in the country, just a little under three sacks per game. They're in the same realm as UCLA is as getting to the quarterback, which is scary because Washington State isn't even as good as Utah is at getting to the quarterback or as other teams are, and they're able to get to Dante just like the Utes were at a lesser stint than what the Utes did a couple weeks ago. Oregon State will face and bring more pressure. They'll find ways. They're going to throw it. It's going to be a rowdy environment. They're going to bring everything they have with Jonathan Smith and company against UCLA. And one of those reasons that Oregon State did struggle, I believe they had a couple of defenders out in that first half, two starting DBs for the Beavers were out against Cal. So that is something to take note of that they'll probably be returning against UCLA. So the biggest thing is, can the Bruins stop the run? I believe they can, but this is a different, much stiffer test than what they faced already. You've got one of the better running teams in the country, followed or preceded by facing arguably the best passing offense coming into the game in the country. Very different dynamics that you're going to face from one week to the next at home in a hot midday Rose Bowl game that I would think favors the Bruins compared to going from Pullman. And then you go into Corvallis, the first time these two programs have faced off since 2019, it will be a heated battle, somewhat of an elimination game, if you will, for two one-loss teams in the Pac-12 wanting to stay alive in the Pac-12 title race. Two-loss isn't the end-all, be-all, but it might be with how the top-tier teams are playing, the Washingtons, Oregons, and USC's. I know Washington, Oregon, one of them is going to suffer a loss pretty soon. It's going to come down to who can execute protecting the quarterback, and running the football. Both teams need to emphasize this. One team is a little bit better statistically coming into that. That's Oregon State. But the Bruins have something that we did not expect coming into this year, and that's a more dynamic defense than anybody 
would have expected, and even more than Oregon State. Oregon State would like to lean their hat on their defense. Yet so far this season, it's been a, their ability to hold on to the football and run it and timely DJ throws and converting on fourth downs like they did against Cal, I believe five for five in that game, which is an absurd total. They just said, we're going for it. We're playing NCAA 14. We're playing Madden, whatever it is. We're going to go after it again and again. We'll get into more keys, more numbers, more players throughout the rest of the Oregon State Week, but those are some things to look and know. The Bruins got to stop the run. They've got to protect Dante. One of those things we know is a week-in, week-out week week struggle, which is protecting Dante. And the other one is, hey, stop the run and force DJ to throw. And if DJ's throwing closer to 30-plus passes against the UCLA defense, I think that's a sign for success for UCLA's defense. If he's throwing closer to 20, that means Oregon State is having a lot more success running the football than we'd be willing to admit. And we hope that is not the case in this primetime matchup between the Beavs and the Bruins. Still no love given for Mick Cronin and the Bruins basketball team. ESPN updated their way too early top 25. And the Bruins recently had an open practice prior to the weekend. And I was reading some updates from Ben Bullich and just kind of comparing everything. The prognosis, the youth, still no love. Where's the barrier being missed here? between UCLA's supposed talent and what is the development going forward for a team that season starts pretty gosh darn soon. Coming up next on Locked on UCLA. It's time to tell you about prize picks because they are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers because instead of battling thousands of other players, pros and sharks, you pick more or less on two to six players battling numbers while you watch the winnings roll in. It's easy to make withdrawals with easy gameplay and enormous selection of players. And hey, Taco Tuesday their weekly promotion can lead to big payouts because each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. All you have to do is go to prizepicks.com slash college and use the code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash college to use the code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Now we got to tell you about game time because game time, it's an easy place to go when you're looking for last-second tickets, whether it's postseason tickets or Major League Baseball, whether you're looking for your Bruins, seeing the Bruins in the Rose Bowl. There's some big-time games coming up. Colorado's coming to town. You're probably going to want to see them think last-minute, waste for that game time. Well, game time's got you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, and views from your seat with the, their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. All they do is they let you even buy tickets up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. It's Southern California. We've got to admit it. It takes forever to get to the Rose Bowl sometimes. Or we show up a little late after tailgating, and you're like, will I buy it? Yes. Hit that buy button. All you have to do is download the GameTime app, create an account, use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Create an account. Use the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E, LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. For $20 off, download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Cruising on in Locked On UCLA second segment, let's talk some hoops because Mick Cronin in UCLA still in the way-too-early top 25. I was looking at ESPN's re-release. They're not in it. They're still short, and they had another chance, did they, to make a look and take an example and say, hey, 
Maybe we'll bump UCLA. They were the so-called, the Bruins are this season, the mystery team. Eight newcomers, seven true freshmen, numbers and players' names that we have. I have butchered. Everybody has said, tried to get their names right. What are their talents? What do they look like? What highlights have you gone to the depths of YouTube? What sites have you gone? Maybe try to translate different publications just to figure out the slightest, teeniest bits of information about the incoming Bruins, along with some of the returning Bruins, who we all are looking forward to making big jumps from year one to year two, or year two to year three, or whatever year it is, as we say with Kenneth Nuba, the longtime veteran Bruin, who apparently, according to Ben Bolch, all the reports, looks in the best shape that he's ever been as a UCLA Bruin, and Mick Cronin lovingly calls America's backup, who could very well start. Which confirms for UCLA, Cronin's already done this multiple times, various outlets, the Bruins are going to play two bigs. Even at the SoCal Coaches Clinic, where it was reported that Darren Savino, they're going to play two bigs. The Bruins are going to play a big. They're going to look a little bit more like Arizona in 2022-23 to than they did like UCLA has looked like under Mick Cronin and maybe has looked like in quite some time. I know there's been different times where they fiddled with big lineups but they have not had the size, the athleticism, and maybe arguably, probably the skill in the post that the Bruins have had are going to have this year. And they come in a variety of assets. You've got the reigning Pac-12 freshman of the year, Dembona, who with the recently released preseason all-Pac-12 list with the upcoming Pac-12 media day, the last one in its true fashion, you've got a Dembona who is the only Bruins selection for the all-Pac-12 first team. A Diamara, who brings another unique skill set offensively, skyhooks a passing ability that has been widely praised by the UCLA coaching staff. He is an honorable mention. Nobody else garnered any preseason love in the preseason list by UC, for UCLA, while the other teams, other schools, got more selections. And while there is a lot of returning talent, switching of talent, right? UCLA steals Lazar Stefanovic from Utah and guys who might have switched uniforms going to a different school in the Pac-12 or returning teams who are returning talent. The Bruins are going to play big in physical, which is what Mick Cronin has said. Hey, we're going to play with two guys. And the big thing the Bruins have to do is be able to play defense and rebound the basketball. Well, the question is, how can a Dimar get up and down the floor there's Mick Cronin, who's quoted in an L.A. Times-Ben Bolch article. We're not standing there like a Christmas tree, is what Cronin said yelling at Amara, trying to get his big man to play some defense in that open practice, right? So the question is, we know what Bone is going to bring. We hope that the mid-range jumper is an added element, the ability to step out a little further from the paint, force defenders to come out from the post, and let him hit that jumper that's going to be left wide open more often than not. If he can knock that down, he can become a consistent double-digit scorer, hopefully a double-digit rebounder, become a double-double guy, and bring that dynamic elite athletic ability with his defensive prowess to UCLA's side. Maybe Nuba, who can just manhandle the rest of the UCLA bigs at times, and maybe out of the Bona, he will provide valuable minutes. We don't even talk about Bereke, Buyung Tunjel, who is someone that might arguably be the most important UCLA freshman this season that we don't truly know about. We've seen or heard of Sebastian Mack's abilities in Spain when he led the Bruins for the most part in scoring on the exhibition trip. He'll be asked to shoot the basketball. His names come in and out of reports, but all the eyes are on the foreign imports. What's Vide going to bring? How much can he help handling the basketball 
if Dylan Andrews isn't up to the task, who's already going to be using from maybe 10 minutes a game, a, a limited amount of time during his first year at UCLA, to probably playing 25 to 30 minutes. And Mick Cronin's going to rotate a lot of guys, which leads to this questioning mystery. Where is this team going to be? We know Cronin is going to, in my mind, I believe this wholeheartedly, the Bruins will be playing their best basketball at the end of February, heading into March when they play those Arizona schools at home, going into the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas, and Selection Sunday, we should expect the Bruins to be there. Now the seed line, that's been questioned, right? Lenardi has been holding them as a sixth seed. Other places, it's all been unique. Where, where are the Bruins going to be? Can they be a one or two seed? Well, Mick Cronin has repeatedly said, I thought my team last year was a national championship shortlist contender. Maybe not using those words specifically, but he's come out and said, if we weren't injured, I would have put us as one of the favorites to win the tournament, which we all expected, but a healthy UCLA with Bona and Clark, we all knew had the, the grit and tenacity to go win it all and, dare I say, challenge UConn for a national championship in the team who ended up winning it. A full-strength UCLA last year could have done it. Now the shift to the newcomers. Can the Bruins shoot it well enough to play with the two bigs? Are they going to have enough shooting from the outside? Is that an Andrews or Will McClendon, who Coach Cronin has said is going to be a big surprise to many UCLA fans? Is that his shooting ability? Is that his ability to play defense? Has the athleticism returned and the confidence in his healed knee finally come a few years after the fact, after the ACL tear? Is that something that UCLA fans are – we're going to try and figure out, oh, is McClendon a big part of the rotation? Or is it Mac that's going to put up a bulk of the shots that he's learning, hey, be a slasher and a scorer, take shots? The big thing is how well will the Bruins be defensively? How, how good are they early on in this season? Because that's going to dictate how good their seed is. If they play well from the jump against some of the better teams in the Mali Invitational held at the Stan Sheriff Center in the University of Hawaii campus at Manoa, then we'll know, all right, this team's legitimate. We'll know against some of these top-tier games, they're legitimate. They can rebound, play some tough defense. They're a top-tier contender immediately. Or they're going to take their licks, float in and out of the top 25, but good enough to make the tournament and go on a run like the 21 team with some youth and inexperience, but a team that just doesn't know, that nobody really knows a lot about them. I think this team's a top 25 team for sure. I've been saying that on record. When they release this top 25 early ranking, I'm not sure why they won't throw the Bruins a bone. I know there's a lot of talk about, hey, can't throw bones to the top power six teams, power five teams in these conferences too often in preseason rankings. Because, heck, even Florida Atlantic's ranked number 12, and they're returning a, a whole team, and they're going back to the Final Four. That's not where UCLA has. They almost have the complete opposite, a team that should have gone to the Final Four and is returning almost none of their talent other than a Dembona, and everybody's got to step up in big roles. Shooting and rebounding, and they're going to play big. A different style that UCLA basketball hasn't really showcased in recent years. Big in a way that they can play big. Not undersized big, like a Cody Riley. Hawkeyes going against some of the bigger guys, or Jalen Clark playing up and playing against some of the bigger talent, right, as a big wing-sized defender. You've got guys who are legitimately 7'3", in a Daimar. Buyung Tunjel, who is reportedly the Jaime Hawkins Jr. clone, but bigger, maybe more athletic, and possibly a better jumper, but younger and still has to develop. 
Brandon Williams, whose name's been thrown up as the, the guy UCLA stole from St. John's in this recruiting class. And imagine if Rick Patino got his hands on him and brought him over to, to New York as a kid from the middle of New York or from the, you know, from New York, right in their own backyard in St. John's. He's someone who UCLA can get to develop. It's how quickly does this team develop to garner that attention? Everybody's eyes will be on UCLA in one shape or fashion. It's a matter of can all these youngsters between the Thibles, the Vides, the uh, Daimars, the Boyington Gels, both Williams and Mac, how do those freshmen develop? You only need a few of them to be good this year. You, you, they're going to be relying on a lot of these guys to play minutes early. Then at some point, Cronin's going to significantly shorten the rotation, despite what he's already said of we're going to rotate a lot of guys. That rotation's going to be shorter. The Bruins are deeper. But we know Cronin. I know Cronin. He's going to shorten that rotation a little bit more than we would like him to do later in games. And who's going to win those starting jobs? We won't know probably what the Bruins truly look like until mid-January, which will be frustrating but fun. And still no love for a team that I think is going to be good. National championship good, I think, is a far stretch to say at this point in time. Early, mid-October. That's a far stretch. Development will come over time which is why I think we got to develop more preseason love and hype for this UCLA men's basketball team that is currently outside the preseason top 25, despite having one of the best recruiting classes in the country, seven freshmen for Mick Cronin's 23 class to replace a decorated class full of talent that's leaving either the graduation to the NBA or out of eligibility. A unique team for a unique season and a unique coaching job that Mick Cronin has to do this season and beyond to turn this team into national championship contenders this year and then Big Ten contenders in years to follow. UCLA football, they had a schedule change. Speaking of schedule changes, I know they already flipped the Big Ten schedule, but they announced a different schedule for 2024, and then they added a game. Same opponent is involved in both those. You might have seen them, you might have not. I'm going to talk to the importance as to why the change of the game of one and the addition of another coming next to wrap up Locked On UCL. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why the Jace Medical has been offering the Jace Case. The Jace Case offers five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. You can get $20 off life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E-M-E-D-I-C-A-L.com. Jacemedical.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Wrapping up Locked On UCLA today, Zach Anderson, Yoxam with you guys. They just made a schedule switch of sorts for UCLA football. One kind of that might be scratching the head a little bit, but after I explain it, it might make more sense if you've already have it put two and two together. And then an added game later. So the Bruins in 2024, we've already seen that the Big Ten released the Big Ten schedule. Then Oregon and Washington are joining UCLA and SC with the Big Ten. So they redid the Big Ten schedule. They already had the three games in line for the non-conference schedule. It was at Hawaii, August 31st. They have at LSU, September 21st, which is later in the season than most might think, right? A little bit later. They had the early bye. The Fresno State game, which was in between the Hawaii and LSU game, no longer. That game got bumped to November 30th. So that, that Fresno State game at home is at all the way at the back end of the schedule. So UCLA's home opener, if you will, will no longer be against the Bulldogs, who I think the Bruins need to whoop up on. I'm tired of getting, I'm tired of hearing about Fresno. We're no mas Fresno, take down the Bulldogs from the Central Valley. So the Bruins will face off against the Bulldogs November 30th. That's post Thanksgiving. That's the end of the season where normally like a Cal game would be, or as I would probably romantically say, it should be the SC game all year in and year out. But of course they have some other nonsense, whatever it may be. Right? So they play Fresno state to end the regular season, a non-conference game, weird and unusual, which only means one thing between August 31st to September 21st, the Bruins need a game and they'll have a buy mixed into that. The Big Ten opener is going to happen between those two weeks. Earlier this year in the 2023 schedule, the Big Ten played week one. I believe they had, what, Minnesota and Nebraska play each other on an opening night in week one. And some schools have been regularly playing their conference opponents week one, week two, maybe even week zero if they want to go across the country and do something or outside of the country and play a crazy game like we've seen other schools do. So the Big Ten is known for playing conference matchups to get TV money, generate revenue against an opponent in week one, two, or three, and then kind of spread out that non-conference level. That's not everybody's doing. That's not how it always works. It looks like UCLA, to get into that Big Ten hype, will be an early September game against another Big Ten opponent with this move, right? Because the only reason you make this move is to then have a Big Ten game slotted in there which will be a home game. It would be pretty brutal if they give them a road game and you start with three straight road games. I'm not entirely believing that it's going to be a road game. Nothing is official in terms of the dates of the Big Ten schedule. That's not what's happening. The only thing they've done officially is move the Fresno State game to November 30th at home against the Bulldogs and the Rose Bowl, and that was announced by UCLA. So that leaves, if you're thinking of home openers in 2024, This is who it could be, potentially. You've got Indiana, you've got Iowa, you've got Minnesota, and you've got Oregon. Now, maybe you play Oregon early, maybe they save that one for later, and you bring in Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, and get some early Big Ten action between teams that maybe might not sell out the Rose Bowl later, but with it being the home opener, that would be a lot of energy and a lot of fun in September before the Bruins go to Baton Rouge, and I hope... A lot of us get to go to LSU and have a fun time over there. So that's the big thing. The Big Ten opener, home opener, 
for the season and the Big Ten in the Rose Bowl will probably be between Hawaii and LSU. That is my thoughts. Nothing official on that yet. That is just how it looks like, and it will probably slot out. The other thing is, in 2032, when I'm sitting here and you've been asking me to get fired from Locked On UCLA for 10 years probably by then, probably been asking for Chip Kelly's head even longer than that, who knows what we think of Mick Cronin by 2032, maybe 10 national championships, maybe one, maybe who knows. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like in 2032. But in 2032, the Bruins also announced, with the Fresno State getting moved, that they have added their first ever road trip to Fresno and the Central Valley because the Bruins have never played at Fresno. They've played at home. They played in the Silicon Valley Classic Bowl in 03 in San Jose, the Fresno State Conference rival at San Jose State, but they've never been to Fresno. And I know some people from Fresno have been a little bit salty about that. And I'd love to go to Fresno years from now. I can't go right now. Go years from now and then be like, hey, let's go knock out the Bulldogs and talk some trash because I'm tired of this nonsense. Who knows if there'll be a power conference team by then. Maybe there'll be the Pac-12 representative in the twist of fate we've all been waiting and joking to hear about. But the Bruins will make their first ever trip to Fresno in 2032. Now some caveats because with what I read from the Fresno B. The move of the game, UCLA actually upped the guarantee. So the Bruins are paying Fresno State even more money to play this game in 2024 because they moved it. So they upped it. I think about like $100,000. Nothing ridiculous to the one point something million they're already paying Fresno, but that is a guarantee that's been upped just to move the game from September to November. It was a $1.2 million game contract and they'll get an extra $150,000 in addition to the one point two guaranteed in the contracts. That's what the Fresno B has said. And remember, 2024 is the first year that that group of five conference champion, the highest ranked, will make it to the 12-team playoff. So that game could mean even more for Fresno State in the Rose Bowl than what we could think for UCLA. Or both teams could be playing for various different reasons because that's the 12-team playoff and I don't really know what the Pac-12 is going to look like in the next season in 24 and at beyond with Washington State and Oregon State. Whatever that's going to look like, it'll probably change, might not change, whatever. Fresno State, that's something that the Fresno Bee was talking about. And one more thing, even though that game is, what, scheduled in 2032 at Fresno, which may be a regular occurrence, may not with all the scheduled travels UCLA is going to do in the Big Ten, the Bruins can cancel and only pay $500,000 if it's 12 months or more. So if the Bruins decide tomorrow that they're just going to, ah, we're changing your mind, 500 k cancel that game. Or you pay $800,000 to cancel within a year of the game if the Bruins are going to do something and pull a Michigan. Don't pull a Michigan. Go there, kick their butt, and lay the smack down. Because I want to do that now, and I want to do that in 2032, and I want to do that again. I want to do it. Let's do it. Knock out the Bulldogs. Let's do it. So that is your schedule change. Big Ten opener, probably going to be a home game week two, week three, or what, you know, because they have played the early week against Hawaii on the road. So that means someone's coming to town that we probably haven't seen in a while or ever. And then they get to go to Fresno for the first time ever in 2032. A long ways away, but some schedule updates. That's going to do it for Locked On UCLA. If you're an everydayer, we're going to talk more Oregon State talk leading up what are some keys to the game maybe some throwback thursday segments and then hey we're gonna get to prediction time and more fun 
with UCLA football. We'll do more UCLA basketball media day talk. UCLA women's basketball just had their media day. Lots of things to update. And hey, hit that subscribe button and that download button. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, signing off. Get your hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U C L A. UCLA fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.